Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Unfortunately, your flight to Bristol has been delayed once again. But for your entertainment purposes, please listen to the Baggage Claim Monday edition of the Baseball Tonight podcast with Buster Olney. The white zone is for immediate unloading and loading of passengers only. No parking in the white zone. Thank you. Yep, and this is a Baggage Claim Monday, the Baseball Tonight podcast for May 22nd, 2023, and today will be better than yesterday. I'm Buster Olney, working from the Minneapolis airport near gate C8. Seems like the one quiet place in this airport. Uh, Sarah Abbott, Taylor Schwenk, working closer to Bristol. How are you guys doing on this Monday? Doing well, Buster. How about them O's, Hon? Sweep oh, of the boy. Blue Jays. Let's go, Buster. I'm fired up on a Monday. Sorry. Sarah? I mean, I'm not as fired up as Taylor, but I'm definitely happy for him. <laughs> wow. Well, and because the Phillies won on Sunday, so you can be happy. Yeah. You're Phillies, right? I'm a Phillies girl, so you know it's a great day for everybody. It's a win-win. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, Taylor, in deference to you, we'll start with a highlight from the Orioles who had a great weekend in Toronto. This is what happened in the top of the 11th inning with Baltimore leading 4-3. to three. So after Henderson got the Orioles' fourth hit with men in scoring position, the first one on the way, line drive, left field, base hit. Here comes Frazier, he'll score. Hayes coming around, throw home. It is on a bounce, it is late, and it's a two-run single for Terran Vavra off the bench, and the Orioles get insurance that they were looking for. It's 6-3 to three in the 11th inning as Vavra attacks on the first pitch, and the Orioles have got a big 11th. That from WBAL, the final score there was 8-3 to three Baltimore. And Taylor, I love the, the field mic picking up the sound in a absolutely dead silent ballpark in Toronto where the, the Blue Jays fans are looking at the end of a terrible week against the Yankees and then the Orioles. And you can hear one of the Orioles play, players yell out, yeah, as the guy crosses home plate. It's the sounds of silence. Yeah, one of my favorites. Oh, uh. <laughs> oh my goodness. Cedric Mullins had a big day. Orioles had a big weekend. What a tough week for Toronto, as I said. Texas continues to play great. They faced the Rockies and Corey Seager, of course, activated off the injured list now. Did some damage in the bottom of the second. The payoff pitch. Swinging a high drive to right field. Kritchik back in the track. Turns, looks. Out of here! A two-run home run for Corey Seager. Another extra base hit for Corey in this, his third home run of the season, the Rangers lead 5-0. That from 105.3, the fan. Taylor, did you know that the Rangers now are the highest-scoring team in baseball, averaging almost six and a half runs per game? That's impressive. Surprising to most, but not Bruce Bochy, I read over the weekend. Yeah, well, exactly. Hot Ticket is brought to you by Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN. Get great deals on the hottest ticket. Experience it live. A hot ticket over the weekend was in Houston after future Hall of Famer Jose Altuve was activated off the injured list, and he did some damage in the bottom of the fifth. The 1-0. And that's hit the other way and through the right side of base hit. Myers on his way around third and coming home. The throw will go toward third as Myers scores. Maldonado in a rundown between second and third. He'll be tagged out as Altuve goes to second. Jose Altuve picks up his first RBI of the season, and it is one to nothing Astros. That was Robert Ford, KBME, 790 AM. The Astros beat the Athletics 2 to nothing, and it does feel like every time we talk about the Athletics, it's like a wounded gazelle being thrown in the middle of the Coliseum, a bunch of lions, Taylor. <laughs> oh, man, it's, it's, it's tough sledding out here for the A's. Everyone's feasting on them. Poor guys. 
Oh, jeez. Over the weekend, the Yankees uh, designated for assignment longtime outfielder Aaron Hicks, a source of great frustration for uh, Yankees fans, and they added outfielder Greg Allen. Interestingly, they got him in a trade from the Boston Red Sox. Sarah's Phillies faced the Cubs on Sunday, and in the bottom of the seventh inning, the score was 0-0 until this happened. A look of second in the pitch. Swung on, hit high in the air, deep right field. Going back on it is Suzuki looking up, and it is gone! It clears the out-of-town scoreboard by a couple of rows. Bryson Stott has put the Phillies on top with a two-run pitch hit home run here in the bottom of the seventh inning. Sarah, was that you yelling go-go as the ball was soaring out to the stands? How'd you know? Obviously, that was me. (laughs) And Scott Fransky was doing play-by-play on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Braves, Mariners, and Travis Darnot. You know, good thing he's back in the Atlanta lineup. He did some damage on Sunday. Travis Darnot will lead off the inning and send a drive to left field. That's got a chance. Pollock on the run. That ball is gone. Home run. Travis Darnot, his first of the year. That was Joe Simpson, 680. The fan, the final score there was 3-2. to two. The ones that get it done is brought to you by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger has the right product for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Now, the ones who got it done on Sunday in New York, couple of veteran pitchers. In game one of a doubleheader between Cleveland and the Mets, which was forced because of a rainout on Saturday, Max Scherzer was on the mound. In the top of the eighth inning, after Scherzer had left the game, Jose Ramirez came to the plate, Cleveland trailing by a run. The next pitch, hit in the air to center field, fairly deep. On the run is Nimmo, back, track, wall, gone! Beg your pardon, it is gone! It ricocheted back onto the field, but the umpires emphatically signal a home run! That was Tom Hamilton, WTM 1100. I was at the ballpark on Sunday in Queens, and it was my big regret was not going and finding Tom Hamilton at some point, having an opportunity to chat him up. Bottom of the eighth inning, Starling Marte, who has been slumping so badly uh, in this game, he'd gotten an extra base hit early in the game. He'd added a single in the bottom of the eighth inning, came to plate with a runner on base. Swing and a drive in the air to right. Pretty well heat. Running, going back, running at the track, running at the wall. It's gone! Starling Marte with his first extra base hit in over a month. A two-run homer onto the screen atop the pacing club in right field. Marte takes a slow trot around the bases as he comes through with his second home run of the year. The Mets are leading by a score of 5-4. to Howie Rose, WCBS. The final score was 5-4. to Here's Buck Showalter after the game talking about Starling Marte getting back on track. I think a lot of people miss some things by him. He's such a... I don't want to say emotional. What's another word? He he cares, you know. And it, it uh, you know, when you have some of the conversations behind closed doors that he and I enjoy having, and Alon, it's just you get to know a guy, and it means a lot to him. And uh, I tell you guys a lot when uh, you know something good happens, and I see that you know they're getting a return for it. It makes me feel, you know, kind of privately that they're getting they'll continue to do that. But he, it means a lot to him, and I'm glad to see him. You know, he's. A lot of guys, I look at guys like him and Robbie, you know, he he gets picked off. Robbie, you know, gives up home run to one of the best hitters in baseball and, 
and how they come back and respond after that is what separates them. Yeah. So a good day for Starling Marte, even before game two of the doubleheader, and he would play a role in that. By the way, the catcher in game one for the Mets was Gary Sanchez, ex-Yankee, who was summoned from the minor leagues. I don't know how long he's going to be up in the big leagues because the Mets have Tomas Nito coming back. Omar Narvaez be coming back probably by the end of the month. And then the Mets will have some decision to make about Sanchez, but he did a nice job on Sunday. Game two of the doubleheader, Sunday night baseball. Jose Ramirez came to the plate in the top of the first inning against Justin Verlander. And a 2-1. Swing and a high fly ball crushed. Right field and forget it. Way gone into the second deck in right field. Jose Ramirez unloads his sixth of the year. And the Guardians jump out front one to nothing. That, of course, was the voice of Book Shambi. Taylor, I don't think I've told you I've been doing this. So Book Shambi, as you know, is the voice of the show baseball's big video game, a game that my sons played. Uh, during the final exam, I had Boog tape motivational videos for my son, Jake, and I would just, it just send it to him without, you know, unannounced, like, come on, buddy, you got to step it up. This is a big, you know, uh, this is a big week, final exams, and uh, you got to come through. Let's go. Oh my God, Father of the Year, Buster. I mean, it is long established canon that your son loves MLB The Show. That is very cool. Very cool. Well, I'll have to ask Boog if it's okay. Uh, I'll have to Boog if it's okay. We'll have to play one of those maybe absolutely. for one of the times that Boog comes on. They're, they're really funny. My son absolutely loves them. All right, bottom of the sixth inning, it was 1 0 Cleveland. Lindor at the plate against Shane Bieber, who is great. 0 2 now. Bieber ready. Here it comes. Swing and a high fly ball, pretty well struck out towards left center. Going back straw near the wall, and it's gone! And Lindor has tied it up! And these two pitchers continued into the eighth inning. The pitch. Swing and a high fly ball in the air right field. Playable there for Canna, makes the catch. Gallagher is out. And how about Verlander tonight? The 40-year-old goes eight, gives up just one run. The Mets began to threaten in the bottom of the eighth. Starling Marte entered as a pinch runner. Terry Francona stuck with Bieber with his bullpen somewhat taxed, and this is what happened. The one-two. Swing and a fly ball left field going back Quan, And he makes the catch. Tagging from third is Marte. He'll come in to score. Down to second goes Lindor. It's a sacrifice fly, and the Mets have taken a 2-1 lead. Adam Adovino and David Robertson had pitched in game one of the doubleheader. So in the ninth inning of game two, Buck Showalter turned to Brooks Raley. And man, he put on a show. The pitch. And that one bunted first base side. It's a good one. Up with it with the glove. Raley shovels to first in time and they get Quad. What a play. And Raley, as he was able to field it with the glove and get rid of it with the glove, Pumped his left fist, <laughs> pointed in the air. What a play. Yeah, pointed to the crowd in the air, and the Mets would hold on to win 2-1. to one. After the game, Francisco Lindor spoke with Nicole Briscoe on SportsCenter. Look, you swept the series. The team has now won five in a row. What is the mood like in that clubhouse for the Mets? Uh, we, we, we're, enjoying, we're enjoying each victory. Uh, the mood is great. We're all having fun. We're supporting each other. We're backing each other up. Um, and that's all we can do, you know, celebrate each other's success and, and, and try to get a win at the end of the night. For you personally, you played a big role in this one tonight. Obviously, you also played a role in that comeback win on Friday. 
to do that against your former team, what does it mean to you? Uh, it feels good to, to win. That's ultimately what it comes down to. Uh, it could have been anybody on the other side. It was still going to feel really, really good. Um, yeah, it, it's fun to uh, do against guys that you know, that you came up through the system um, with. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it don't matter who's on the other side, we're still going to be special. Um, and we're going to have a happy flight tonight. So that's all that matters. <laughs> was anything shared from the other team to you tonight when, when we close this one out? Um, no, no, me and Hosey, you know, I have a lot of respect for Hosey. Um, and I gain a lot more respect because he's got a good cleats going on. So um, I'm happy for him. So what, what is working right now for this team? What has gone right that's allowed you to win five in a row? We, we put them together. We put them together at the same time. Before it was um, one side would do something, the other side wouldn't do um, the job. Right now we, we're doing both. You know, we're doing both. We're playing and we're pretty much staying together, which we, we have done it since day one. It just it wasn't working out at the beginning. This is baseball. There's a, there's a long year. It's a lot of um, ups and downs. You just got to try to limit the, the downs. Taylor, what else you got? Buster, I got a notification uh, while we were recording the open there that the low post is recording at 11 o'clock. My fellow producer, Dan Stanzik, notified me. So a new episode of that, uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast right now and on YouTube. And I'm sure the Hoop Collective will get together today. A couple uh, three O's in the conference finals. So we're just kind of waiting on those to wrap up for the NBA finals. Check them out, the low post and the Hoop Collective. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash buster just go to indeed.com slash buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash buster terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed for the ones who get it done granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions plus their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer call click granger.com or just stop by seam heads rejoice this is Timmy time. Baseball is the greatest game. With Tim Kirchner. It never disappoints you. On Baseball Tonight. And Tim Kirchner covers baseball for ESPN. And Tim, I thought you had pull, but I've been waiting, you know, year after year now, waiting for you to have podcast studios built into all these airports on Monday. What's up with that? Well, I, I'm not in too many airports on Mondays anymore. 
I drive home on Sunday nights now after my Sunday night baseball tonight. I, last night I arrived at two o'clock in the morning and I have a complaint with Major League Baseball. The games are lasting way they, they're too short now. OK, <laughs> I really count on in my five to six hour ride home on Sunday nights to be able to listen to Boog and Doug for three and a half hours. Well, the game was over in two hours and six minutes last night. I don't know even how to find anything else on my XM radio in my car, except for the baseball games. The game was over in 206, and I went, I got four hours to go. What am I going to listen to? So let's play some longer games. How about that? Well, we need to back up a little bit with the storytelling on this one. So you drove to Bristol on Sunday, correct? Yes, for, I got up at 3.30 in the morning. I'm a terrible sleeper buster. I just want to get to the next destination. So I left at four o'clock in the morning, drove five and a half hours, got there at 9.30. So I was two hours in advance for the Yankees. Reds game that started at 11.30. And then we did a one-hour show, which got cut to a half an hour. So I drove, <laughs> this happens all the time. I drove five and a half hours yesterday to do a 30-minute show on which I was on camera for, I think, 30 seconds, wearing a brand new sport coat, by the way. And then I jumped in the car at seven o'clock, drove home, hit terrible traffic, got in at two in the morning, and I only got to listen to Boog and Doug for 206 because that's how short the game lasted. And by the way, the uh, the basketball game was a disaster, right? If you're interested in finding out what happened between you know the the Celtics and the Magic, that thing was over by the third quarter. So there right. wasn't anything for you. What did you do? Well, I actually found a CNN button on my Sirius XM radio. So I said, all right, for the first time in my life, I'm not going to listen to a sports show. And I'm terrible with music. So I listened to CNN like the whole way home, running all this stuff from years ago. I don't even know what it was, but it kept me occupied. Okay. Well, at least you got home. All right. And, and you, you occupied yourself, your mind enough to get home. And to make that drive safely. And for that, uh, we're all thankful. Uh, you know, are the Mets back now? Are you ready to, if, were you ready to declare them dead last Tuesday? Are you ready to say now they're going to take off and, and run back to the top of the division? No, neither. I never said they were dead. They were way too good to play that poorly. But those, whatever it was, 11 and 2 and 11 or 13 out of 15 was unbelievably bad. But Buster, we've been over this a million times, having done the beat for 10 years like you did. I used to call them circle games, a game that you circle after you've seen it and you said this could lead to something really good or this could lead to something really bad. And that May 17th game, you know, when they're closer to the Nationals and the Braves in the standings, they've won fewer games than the Pirates. They've been shut out seven times. I When they came back and won that game that night, three runs in the ninth, three runs in the tenth, I said, well, this has got to be it. This is where it starts. And it did. They've won five in a row since. Every game has been dramatic. Everyone seemingly is by one run. They won another game two nights later, down multi-runs in the ninth inning. So twice in a three-game span, the Mets were down by multi-runs in the ninth or later and won those games. First time they've done that in any three-game span since 1965. So I'm not saying they're the Braves. The Braves are better than the Mets, period. But I never said the Mets weren't going to the playoffs. I never worried tremendously about them. But I'm back on the bandwagon because we're starting to see the fire back in that team and led by a polar bear, of course. 
And yesterday, led by two veteran pitchers, guys who I think should be unanimous selections for the Hall of Fame someday, in Justin Verlander in Game 2, Max Scherzer in Game 1. You know, Going into the weekend, I talked with folks within the Mets organization about Scherzer in particular, and the feedback I got, Tim, was like, look, we're not worried. His fastball velocity when he's pitched is fine. They just felt like that he just need he needs still to this day to get back on a regular regimen. Uh, and it's interesting because uh, what happened during his start in game one, okay, he finally has passed the suspension. He's passed some of these nagging injuries. He goes out in the first inning yesterday, Tim, and a cut on his uh, pitching hand opens up on his thumb. And okay. he takes Buck Showalter down the runway, and he's just raging, <laughs> like, what what is going on? Like, there's always something. His velocity was down significantly, and yet he found a way. He looked terrific, despite the fact that he was pitching with a cut on his left thumb. I saw it after the game. It was probably about an inch long. Right. Well, again, he always, always finds way. I'll never forget a couple of years ago. You remember this, Buster. He's bunting in the batting cage, getting ready to pitch the the next night. And he, he bunts the ball off his eye. Now he looks like a cyclops. He's got a purple spot over his eye. It's swollen beyond words. And we thought, well, he's going on the injured list. And of course, he pitched the next night. He pitched his butt off. He was great. And that's who Max Scherzer is. So no cut on your finger is going to prevent him. But again, Buster, if I may, people don't understand that a one inch cut on your finger for a pitcher will affect your effectiveness. Doesn't affect a football player, maybe even a basketball player. But when your your touch on the ball is that important and there's bleeding or there's blood or there's a blister or there's a cut, that's a hard thing to get through. Max Scherzer got through it yesterday. And then Verlander was good at night. First time since 86 that two 200 game winners pitch for the same team. Uh, on the same day, you know, Tommy John and Phil Necro for the Yankees. It was pretty cool last night. Yeah, and it was the first time all year that two starting pitchers going against each other, Shane Bieber pitched for Cleveland, made it through eight innings. That's it on all of Major League Baseball this year. You talk about how the sports change. Look, Verlander last year, and you know this, uh, you know, had 18 wins, um, but there were, must have been about five or six games, it felt like, when – he left the game with either the Astros trailing, maybe two to one or something like that, or the score was tied. And then the Astros would come back and Justin would get a win. Well, last night was that sort of game. It's it's one one bottom of the eighth inning after he comes out. They score a run. And that's 246, Tim. He's now 54 wins away. I, I have no doubt he's going to find a way to 300. Really? I don't see how Justin Verlander is going to win 300. Games. Well, I know he believes this. I don't know if I've told you this story, but I saw him during the uh, during the World Series last year. I went up and I said, "You have your eye on 300." And he goes, "Absolutely." Like, and his hero in life is is as you know, Nolan Ryan. And he told me 10 years ago the thing he loved about Ryan was that Ryan uh, continued to be a power pitcher right to the end of his career. That's what Justin wants to do, and I think Justin has his eye on history where he knows. If he hits 300, Tim, that's it. Nobody will do that after him. Uh, and you might be right about that. And he's so wildly competitive. And again, Buster, that was so impressive what he did last night. You were at the game. He was low 90s earlier in that game. And then he ramped it up to mid 90s when he needed it later in the game. It's not an easy thing to do for any pitcher. But a 40-year-old pitcher who hasn't had a whole lot of reps this year, that was pretty impressive. And impressive in the last, uh, what, five, six games that the Mets have played is his sudden burst of power. 
you know, going into the weekend, I checked on this, the question of how do the Mets augment their power hitting? And they had had conversations during the course of the offseason. Look, uh, the market and what it has, where could we go? I know they checked into Jock Peterson early on, and they were hoping to take a run at him, but then he got the qualifying offer, and that was it. The Mets were not going to give up a draft pick and a you know big multi-year deal to sign Jock Peterson. So they focused their money on pitching, you know, signing guys like David Robertson, obviously Justin Verlander, because their feeling was that eventually they would have power come out of that farm system. And since the start of the season, Brett Beatty has been installed into the, the lineup. Mark Vientos has been installed in the lineup. And look, we know that they have Pete Alonso, who might be, you know, one of the top two or three power hitters in baseball, but they need more power, Tim, if they're going to be in that conversation at the end of the year as one of the best teams in baseball. And what, in the last five games, I think it's 13 home runs. We're starting to see them go deep more, which is desperately needed. Right. And it's Starling Marte yesterday got his first extra base hit since April yeah. the 14th. That was a good sign. Look, Buster, you know this, but Francisco Alvarez, you can say what you like about him as a catcher. He's coming along. He's doing better. That guy has tremendous power. I saw his BP in spring training this year. It was prodigious. He hit balls like cannon shots over the right center field fence in spring training. I just kept watching him and he was swinging so hard. He's He's shown some real power, and I think it's going to continue. Brett Beatty has a great swing, but you yep. got to win. In today, Buster, you can't win anymore. It's really hard to win anymore when you don't hit the ball out of the ballpark. Even with the new rules and shift changes, you got to hit the ball out of the ballpark. And now the Mets are starting to do it again. And that's the biggest reason why they're winning. Speaking of a team that doesn't hit the ball out of the park, the oh. Cleveland Guardians over the weekend, man. I, I, I walked away from the weekend, Tim, thinking this. Uh, Shane Bieber, who was terrific on Sunday night, you know, mixing in his pitches as he always has, even though his velocity is down three ticks from him a few years ago, he's still uh, an incredibly elite pitcher. He clearly someone who has value. He's not signed to a long-term deal. He potentially is going to be a free agent after the 2024 season. Tim, I'm, I'm, uh, I walked away from this weekend saying, a, Cleveland is very far away from contending for a title. Uh, and given how young that team is and how much offense they desperately need, I absolutely, if I'm Chris Antonetti, head of baseball ops for the Guardians, I am going to be out in the market this summer putting Bieber out there in what is expected to be a really thin pitching market. Because can you imagine what you know the, the Atlanta Braves or the Texas Rangers or fill in the gap or you know, any number of these teams, the Cardinals, we talked about this on our broadcast last night. You know, the Cardinals have this absolute glut of position player prospects. Think about the package they could put together potentially for someone like Bieber. I'd do it this summer if I'm Cleveland, in part because I need offense. Right. I, I looked at those ava potentially available starting pitchers, Buster, at the trade deadline. And I, you know, I couldn't come up with anyone, you know, Lance Lynn, maybe, you know, Zach Greinke, maybe it, it's going to take more than that. I'd be real careful to trade Bieber still, because let's not forget two things. The division is not very good. And, and Tito Francona somehow finds a way the second half of every year to get that team rolling again. But I'm with you on this. I would be deeply concerned about where uh, the Guardians are right now. I mean, the Rays have hit over three times as many homers 
as the Guardians have. I mean, wow. Pete Alonso is chasing the Guardians down by himself for home runs hit. We know they won last year by putting it in play more than anyone, running the bases better than anyone, getting hits instead of just hitting homers. That dynamic has kind of gone away. Their defense isn't nearly as good as it was last year. Mike Zanino, the catcher, has a shoulder. Josh Bell's not a particularly good first baseman. They won with their defense last year. They are definitely in a lot of trouble right now. But I'm not ready to give up on them because, again, the weakness of the division. But if July, you know, late July comes along and they're hopelessly out of it, trading Bieber would make uh, sense to go get some offense. It's amazing how long it's been since they, you know, really found a, a, a some hitter through outfield hitter in their organization. It's been that long. Yeah. And as I say, if they talk to the Cardinals, who have these three veterans from their current rotation who are going to move on either in Adam Wainwright's case uh, through retirement or you know, two, the case of two other guys through free agency, uh, it feels like on paper there's a potential match there between Cleveland and St. Louis. You know, we'll be monitoring that as we go. And you're right about some of the moves they made during the offseason. Look, they're, they're a, a small market team, so they're never going to be in the, you know, the conversation where a guy like Judge or Trey Turner or Carlos Correa, uh, they have to work around the edges. And they took a shot at Josh Bell, who has not played well. And they took a shot at Zanino, who has not paid off. And so it'll be interesting to see what, uh, what direction they go. All right, speaking of the Cardinals, this is what happened on Sunday. Max Muncy was at the plate. Yeah, there we go. Don't get them both, Max, and he's arguing. Well, Max Muncy got another life on that last pitch, that slider down. This time it's 95, a little something extra from Jack Flaherty. Catches the corner, catches him looking for his fifth strikeout of the game. So Muncy out on strike five. And two are out. And now Muncy is charging toward the third base umpire. Dave Roberts is joining him. And that's because, Tim, Muncy was ejected. Uh, he was upset about the, uh, the strike three call. Uh, and then as he was going back to dugout, he and the third base uh, umpire, who got they, the Dodgers were unhappy with the night before, they got into it. Muncy winds up getting ejected. Listen to his explanation after the game about what happened in Sunday's game. This was interesting. You just put towards the frustration that was kind of happening out there and honestly what everything that led up to the ejection. Uh, yeah, I think it was just kind of a weekend-long frustration that was building up, and it was, uh, for me, it wasn't about the call. I mean, these guys are human. They're going to call the games how they see it, and to me, that's the beautiful thing about this game, and to me, that's always been the beautiful thing about the game. For me, it was how the calls were happening. Um, the pitch before was almost the exact same location, and whether it's a ball or strike, I don't care. He called it how he saw it. He called it a ball. And for the catcher to sit there and tell him that that's a terrible call and he missed it and he needs to be better, and then the next one he gives it to him, that to me is where the frustration was coming from. And I felt like that was happening all weekend long. I felt like they were getting bullied and they gave into it. And so for me, that was where the frustration was happening, and I didn't like it. And I just, bottom line, though, was I need to be smarter about what I do. I said what needed to be said at home plate, and it was over with, and then I took it too far by going to the third base umpire. Yeah, so Tim, Listen to what he said, basically, that Wilson Contreras bullied the umpire into giving a strike. In three weeks, it feels like Wilson Contreras went from a guy who might be shifted to DH to now he's Johnny Bench, Tim. 
Yeah, now he's bullying umpires. Look, <laughs> it is the responsibility of the catcher to say, I think you missed that one, or where was that one? I'm not sure that qualifies as bullying an umpire. <laughs> Having said that, you know, we do have a bu- – I don't even know who the umpire was at the plate last night. It's not the point. We have 10 new rookie umpires this year, 10 veteran umpires, including seven crew chiefs, retired. We have a new set. It's going to be an adjustment for everyone, including our hitters. And I'm sure Max Muncy is frustrated. Here we are on May the 22nd, and he has two five strikeout games already, including one on opening day. You know, he joined Ron Karkovice 1996. Is the only player ever to go 0 for 5 with five strikeouts on opening day, and then he does it again. So he hits all these homers, but in today's day and age, you hit a bunch of homers and you go 0 for 5 with five strikeouts twice by May 22nd. That would frustrate me also. All right. Uh, look, I don't know if Wilson Contreras will ever be uh, eligible for the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, but how about you and I today start a, a special Hall of Fame for handling a, a, a some sort of adversity in the clubhouse. I'm going to nominate Wilson Contreras for the Hall of Fame in terms of how he's handled this whole thing from beginning to when the Cardinals took him off the uh, position of catcher to yesterday when he's bullying umpires, having been restored to the position of catcher. He, he's he been remarkable, Tim. He right. just continued to play so well. What you heard, always heard from the Cubs people is like, man, whatever their their problems were with how he caught no one ever questioned his toughness. Right. And he's showing that. And, you know, he's always a very emotional guy who t- tends to go a little too far sometimes with emotion. And yet this time he held it within remarkably when he he gets his position taken away after 35 games and then to come back and hit a couple three run homers in one game and be back behind the plate again. It's been a weird year for Wilson Contreras. All right, before we go, give me thoughts on the Blue Jays, who had an absolutely terrible week, losing that series to the Yankees, getting swept by the Orioles. And give me a thought on the Orioles, who just continue to play so great. Yeah, look, the Orioles have the second-best record in baseball, Buster. I've seen them play now three times in the last 10 days. There is something special going on there. The talent level there is remarkably high, as we know. But now they're starting to learn how to play. They're starting to learn. Please return to Security South Checkpoint to claim your forgotten item. Tim, it's baggage claim Monday. You know that. Sorry, I thought that was Sarah Abbott in the background telling me there's something wrong with my camera. Look, the (laughs) Orioles are really good right now, Buster, and I did not see them being this good. I see all the talent, but it takes a long time for the talent to become a really good team. And that's where the Orioles are now. They can really swing it. Cedric Mullins is a really good player. Adley Rushman is the best catcher in the league already. And that bullpen is a joke at the end of the games. I mean, yesterday they couldn't even use Cano or Batista because they needed a rest, and they still beat the Blue, Blue Jays, who are really struggling busters. This is supposed to be a dynamic offensive team and right now it's not Vlad Guerrero Jr. is not the same hitter that he was last year year before especially at home this is all going to change they're going to score a bunch of runs and John Schneider forgot how many times he went to the mound and had to take uh, his pitcher out of the game that was a really bad week for the Blue Jays but their talent's going to overcome it 
They're going to turn the corner and they'll be in the, in the middle of this race before it's all over. And by the way, credit to John Snyder for completely owning that. He just right. said he messed up after the game, which I know the players will appreciate. All right, Tim, thanks for doing that. I'll, I'll tell all the, uh, the people on the PA here at the Minneapolis airport to stop <laughs> yelling at you. <laughs> I get yelled at at airports all the time, just not from 1,500 miles away. All right, I'll see you soon. This is the Numbers Game with Sarah Langs. Sarah Langs, reporter producer for MLB.com. Sarah, how you doing on this Monday? I'm doing great, Buster. How are you? I'm doing great. You know, feeling all flush with uh, information and anecdotes after being around, uh, you know, two teams on Sunday. And I mentioned to Tim, and I'm curious about your perspective on this. I walked away from watching Cleveland over the weekend, and I thought, you know what? Yeah, this is the summer that they should entertain, seriously entertain. Shane Bieber uh, trade proposals. He's a free agent after 2024. And just, Sarah, I, I know, you know, if you're Chris Antonetti, you're Terry Francona, winning the division isn't necessarily the be-all, end-all. You want to have a team that has a chance to, you know, go deep into October. And, man, it feels like right now the Cleveland lineup is so far away. And given that, and given that, you know, Bieber was excellent last night, and know the knowledge that if you put him in the trade market, he would probably be the most coveted player in the marketplace. I'm absolutely thinking about moving him this summer based on what we've seen from the Cleveland offense early in the year. What do you think? It does seem like the pragmatic move. I mean, we saw how good they were last year, surprisingly. But by this point last year, we had already seen some uh, glimpses of that. We knew that that team was surprising. We saw what Stephen Kwan was doing to start his career. This feels like a very different team this year, even though a lot of the names are the same. You think about guys who are just not off to the type of start that they had all last year. And I do think if they're not in the mix, for that division title, and to your point, not just to win it, but to win it and win it handily and go deep into October. I mean, we've seen this team get really good assets from the trades they have made. I know Andre Jimenez is not having the year that he had last year. He's a very good player, and the fact that they got him and Ahmed Rosario in that Carrasco and Lindor trade, which of course was discussed a lot over the weekend because of the series in Queens. It just seems like based on how the organization operates and where they're at right now, that a Bieber trade is probably inevitable. And I do think this year would make a lot of sense. And man, there are some teams that could really use him especially with how good he looked last time. And that team at the top of that list that I, I, you know, we love to do other people's jobs, Sarah, Mm -hmm. you know that the team at the top of the list for me would be St. Louis with this absolute log jam of offensive players, you know, guys who it feels like can hit. I, 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 maybe you, you fashion, you know, a Donovan Carlson, you know, I, I don't know if Jordan Walker would ever be considered. I think he's too high of a prospect. But it feels like that there would be a range, a menu of potential players that Cleveland could sort of sort through as they talked about a deal. Does that make sense to you? Definitely. We know they need pitching. 
They played much better the last week after the sky was falling uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago in St. Louis, but it's a team that could really benefit from an acquisition like that. And they're in a very winnable division. So, you know, they seem like a team that will be active at the deadline. They're a team that always is. You know, I think of Jordan Montgomery last year and how good he was for them to start that career uh, down the stretch. So Shane Beaver could definitely be sort of the next iteration of that. All right, let's play the numbers game. Number three. Number three is eight. So speaking of that NL Central, one sort of other factor going on there, though maybe we're not talking about the Cubs for that division title, but Christopher Morrell got called up 11 games ago. He has played 11 games and he has eight home runs. I mean, every time I look up, he is home run. His eight home runs are tied for the third most by any player in his first 11 games of the season since 1900, trailing only Luis Gonzalez in 2001, he had nine, and Mike Schmidt in 1976, he had nine. And by the way, yesterday's home run was at Citizens Bank Park with Mike Schmidt in the broadcast booth across the way. For the Phillies. So I don't know if he got that stat. I was listening to another game and it happened in the eighth inning. The game was almost over. But really cool little symmetry there. Number two. Number two is four. So I think I have done a stat on Bryce Miller of the Mariners every game he has pitched. And as long as he keeps pitching this way, I'm going to keep coming back with another stat about him every week. So with his most recent start, he is now the second pitcher since 1901 to go six innings and allow four hits or fewer in each of his first four appearances. Think about that. You get to the majors, you never pitch at this level. Six innings, no more than four hits. The other guy to do that, Wayne Simpson in 1970. Number one. Number one, I guess it has to be eight. So, even though we already used eight, that's okay. Uh, (laughs) Last night on Sunday Night Baseball, we got an amazing pitcher stole between Shane Bieber, who we mentioned, and Justin Berlander. They each went eight innings the first time all season that we saw two pitchers go at least eight innings in a game. And by the way, four guys, when you count Framber Valdez, who had a shutout, and Kevin Gossman, who threw eight innings on Sunday as well. Four guys went eight innings on Sunday. No more than two have gone at least eight innings on any other day of the season. So we saw a lot of aces going deep. It was really cool. And by the way, 2.06 on the game time. We have both done a lot of Sunday baseball games, you for more than me. That was the sixth shortest nine innings Sunday night game in the history of Sunday night game. 
listening on ESPN. Wow. Yeah, we were talking about that. Eduardo and I were, and David, when we went back to the hotel and uh, had a drink, it was, uh, it was, we were just shaking our head at how, how quickly that went. All right, I'm going to throw a curveball at you here. I tweeted out the stat. I'm sure that you saw it because you monitor everything on social media really closely, especially before games. It was run differential by division. Uh, the division with the best run differential going into play on Sunday, the American League East at plus 225. Number two, the National League Central, their run differential for the division, the second best run differential, plus 13. All four other divisions were in the negatives. AL West minus eight, NL West minus 11, NL East minus 58, the American League Central minus 161, Sarah, the American League East plus 225. I mean, if that doesn't say it all, I don't know if anything will. I mean, we have talked about this. That division is on pace to set every record in the book. We've never seen a division finish with all five teams above 500. The closest was the NL East in 2005. Every team entered the last day of the season above 500. And then the Nationals lost to fall to 81-81. So every team was at 500, but not above. And they're going to set a record for winning percentage total as a division winning percentage outside the division and run differential, I'm sure, for the division on the whole. I didn't note in April that their run differential as a division, I believe, was the highest for a five-team division in the month. And I'm sure May is going to break that record. I mean, it's just incredible. And I'm so glad to not be in a front office or a manager in that division right now because imagine playing so well and finding yourself in fourth and fifth place and the Braves just keep winning. I know they lost on Sunday, but even still they're there, they're so dominant and that just sets the tone for the entire division. Yeah, I'm sure that uh, John Schneider, the Blue Jays clubhouse, at the end of that ugly week against the Yankees and the Orioles are like, well, okay, we get to play outside our division coming up here, and we'll be better. We got the we got <laughs> toughest part of our schedule. Part of the toughest part of our schedule is one by the board. All right, Sarah, thanks for doing this. Thanks so much for having me, Buster. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NextGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin and pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease. Plus, it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus chews. They're the one and done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. 
So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. On Sunday, Bukshami got a chance to talk with Guardians manager Terry Francona. Here with the manager of the Cleveland Guardians, Terry Francona. Um, we'll get to previewing game two of this doubleheader, but first you guys lose a real heartbreaker. You work so hard to come all the way back, and then the bullpen gives it up. So what do you do turning the page in terms of between games? Well, I mean, you have to. Right. As hard as it is, if you don't, I mean, I, I, we try to talk about this all the time, look back long enough to learn and then move on because, man, you get a hangover. I don't think Verlander's sitting over there too worried that we had a tough time in game one. So we're going to have our hands full there, let alone if we're pouting about first game. Look back long enough to learn. I like that. Um, as far as your team so far this year, you've been offensively challenged at times. What's the difference in terms of what you guys did last year and what's happened at least so far this season? Well, you know, even, even last year, you know, we, I mean, we didn't hit the ball at the ballpark with a lot of frequency. Um, this year has been kind of the same. But we're not hitting, at, you know, pretty much through the order. I mean, we've had a few guys now start to heat up, Naylor and Hosey, but, but we're really not where – most of our guys we think will end up. So, you know, and base running is such a big thing of what we I think we do well, but we got to get on. And if you're playing from behind, it's a little more challenging that way. Um, you mentioned Jose Ramirez. He had the home run that put you up briefly. Do people, when we're talking nationally, do they understand the greatness of this guy? Because he impacts the game in so many ways and brings intangibles as well. Well, if they listen to me, they do. Okay. But if they don't, I, I get your point. Yeah. He is so good, and he checks every box there is. I mean, plays his heart out every day and doesn't ever not want to play. He, he's, he's the real deal. Um, I guess this is going to be a weird question. I've known you for a long time. We're between games of a doubleheader. What do you still like about this job? <laughs> you ask me when we win or when we lose. <laughs> I know that when we lose, it still tears me up. And when we win, I'm still really happy. I, I haven't found a way, and I'm 64, to balance or have, you know, people talk about perspective. I have none. And I maybe when the day I get some, I'll probably quit because it's, I don't know, man. It's just the way it is. You show up and you try to win, and when you don't, it, it hurts. It's great to see you. Thanks for the time. Thanks, Boog. Bleacher tweets. It wouldn't be a baggage claim Monday if we're all yelling over the intercom at uh, at the airport. It really, <laughs> honestly, when we have quiet baggage claim Mondays, it makes me a little bit sad. You know, I feel like it ruins the authenticity of it. But well, and during this show, I haven't mentioned this to you. Like three people have stopped by to listen to various elements of the show. <laughs> Did they know who you are and what you're doing? Or I they just... hope not. I, I Maybe they just think I'm a weird guy talking to myself in the corner, uh, calling authority. So we've had that a couple times. 
you know, the police and the gate agents coming over to asking what what is your deal? Sir, sir, excuse me, sir. A lot of that, I'm sure. Uh, let's, yep. go, let's go to Nicholas Rust. He's got a question for you. He says, hey, Buster, how is your job different on Sunday working Sunday night baseball given the first game of the day was in the same ballpark uh, as the yeah first game of doubleheader before preceding Sunday night baseball? How that changed things for you? It's just a longer day. It's, it's totally fine. But we uh, yeah, Carl and I, we had a Zoom call with a manager with uh, Francona like at 1110 in the morning before the first game of the doubleheader. Then we talked to show Walter and then Carl and I jumped in the car, went over to City Field. Uh, and got to watch game one from the booth. It was pretty cool. Nice. A little hangout time with Ravi. Nothing wrong And by the that. way, so yesterday was kind of a fun day, too. Uh, Kimberly Cora, who is a freshman in college, mm-hmm. the uh, daughter of Joey Cora, the niece of Alex Cora, she was shadowing us uh, on Sunday Night Baseball trying to learn about the job. And so she basically... Uh, you know, was going along everywhere I went during the game last night, doing the interviews with the players and going into the dugouts and all that. She was right there. She did a great job. Uh, and obviously a lot of the coaches and, and staff, they know her, uh, mm-hmm. but she was absolutely terrific uh, during the course of the broadcast. And, and uh, there's someone who just has a great joy in baseball. I love that. How fun. What a great opportunity for her. Very cool. Yep. Nolan Scad writes in, if the Cardinals end up winning the division, can we suspend the inevitable backpats for how they handled April and May? They panicked, right? It's good to note that they are not playing chess while the rest of the league plays checkers. (laughs) Well, I would say as it played out, I think you'll back me up on this, Taylor. We had a common refrain of, yeah, it's a total mess and they're going to wind up winning the division anyway because of all the talent that they have. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I, I did give them credit. I did whatever their you know sources of unhappiness were when they started all this stuff. They did have the guts to address it, right? Yes, as, yeah. as ugly and we talked about this as it played out. Like you know what? They're they're not willing to stay with the status quo, and they're going to come out looking like roses. But if anybody tells you there was a master plan, don't believe it. Because it felt like day after day was they were just making it up as they went. I mean, to to shuffle around your big offseason acquisition, you know, you're paying this guy tens of millions of dollars. And then for him to also be super professional about it and not give, you know, have a stink. And I mean, he could have blown up the locker room, but he he stayed the course. You guys back me up. Like if we start a Hall of Fame for how to handle a bad situation, Wilson Contreras could be a first time inductee. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know that I've, I've, I, nothing comes to mind, uh, you know, in a situation no. like that, handling it so well. No, Sarah, any thoughts? I mean, I feel like that's like the definition of taking one for the team. Like he's just sitting back, letting them do their thing, and he's having a good attitude about it, which is amazing. It was. He's done a terrific job. Andrew Sanford at Sanford minus Sun writes in, Hey Buster, how long before the success of my beloved Texas Rangers stops being addressed as a surprise? I know they are historically great or not great and need bullpen help like everyone else, except for the Orioles, but all of the moves they made this offseason were leading to this point. So Andrew, I, I wouldn't quite endorse everything you wrote. I mean, it's not like Jacob DeGrom's come in and just been a Cy Young guy. He's been mm-hmm. hurt, which he has been. And their offense has been a surprise. I exchanged text messages a couple days ago with Bruce Bochy their manager. And I said, did you think the offense was going to be this good in spring training? And he said, I thought it'd be good. But what he didn't anticipate was the depth of their lineup. Guys like Ezekiel Duran uh, stepping up. Uh, They are so good top to bottom. And it's amazing. The idea that they're number one in baseball in terms of run score when you have, you know, lineups like the Dodgers and like the Braves and Tampa Bay, the number one team scoring runs, the Texas Rangers. 
Very cool. Uh, last one for today. Jeremiah Avis Roos writes in Avis Roos JJ12. He said, after Friday's pod, I'm left wondering if no Orioles extensions, how much does Adley Crushman get in free agency? Wow. A lot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. And that's the thing is that as every day goes by without an extension, um, A, his price tag goes up, and B, your window for opportunity to sign the guy uh, diminishes. And, and I mean, literally day by day, it also, but you know what? He's, he's going to have people in his camp saying, if you wait, you could be a $300 million free agent. You get mm-hmm. the biggest deal ever for a catcher. Look, you know, it was what Joe Maurer got like $170 million from the twins. That was the biggest deal at that time. Adley Rushman will crush that. He will crush that if he gets the free agency. And, and I, it's why we shake our heads. I'm sorry, Taylor, at some point. Uh, I mean, that ownership needs to say, even if they feel like it's not a great deal, they need to make a deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think of the Wander Franco contract as sort of like the baseline for like a really good extension on a young guy. I mean, they threw that out there to him in a quickness. So yep. I was thinking that $300 million number real quick. What would, what should Cedric Mullins number? Can they sign him for less than a hundred million right now? I mean, he's been awesome. What was your favorite Cedric Mullen hit yesterday in his five hit game? He's been incredible. Well, I got to say I was working on the Mets. Uh, I did not see that, but he's been terrific too. Again. Yeah. Another guy who, you know, a couple of years ago, you probably could have given him, given him like a four year, $60 million deal. Mm -hmm. I I don't know if that's possible now because they've been waiting on all these guys. They got to make moves on somebody. All right. There you have it. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter. We will be back on Wednesday. Thanks for writing in, everyone. That's it for today. That's it for Baggage Clay Monday. My thanks to Sarah, Tim, Sarah, Taylor, all the great people here at the Minneapolis airport. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.